A learner should not be a passive consumer of a curriculum. I don't know who said it. Maybe I said it. Maybe that's the first time that's ever been said, but it's not a new concept. We are moving towards an idea of learner agency, the learner in control. And sometimes that's easy to do, but sometimes it's hard. That's what we'll be talking about today with Susie Robertson on the Learning Geeks podcast starting now. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Hey, guys. How's everybody doing? Welcome, Susie. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Yeah, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. You know, before we dive into this this really interesting idea around learner agency and putting the power in the head of the, lear- uh, the learner, which is something I've been thinking a lot about, actually, over the last week, so this is a great coincidence, uh, we have heard... Dana and I, who are meeting you for the first time, that you are a an appropriate uh, nerd in terms of Star Wars and Marvel dumb. Oh, completely. <laughs> yeah, I actually used to be a um, a fantasy girl. I was into like Lord of the Rings, and then I met my husband, and then was converted over to uh, the Star Wars. Star Wars. Uh, Star. Sorry. <laughs> Star Wars world. That's kind of difficult. Those W's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Which which is fantasy? There's definitely fantasy aspects of it, and and oh really? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah I'm that was all you. reality. No, no, and western. Uh, but I mean, a lot of the family, uh, the family, the fantasy family too. A lot of the fantasy themes show up in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. good heroes journey stuff. So, of course. Susie, how have you liked the Book of Boba Fett? Which, as we record this, we're at we just finished episode five of seven. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. It's um I feel like it's setting the scene. Um, you know, for something that's that's getting, you know, bigger. You know, it's patience, I feel at the minute, of you know, of of getting to like the the, the bigger part in the storyline. And um this week's episode was was great and desperate to know uh what Grogu has um been forged. Um so looking forward to seeing Spoiler that. Spoiler alert. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, should put that before we actually start this podcast. <laughs> we might want to say that. Well, it yeah. depends on how long it takes you to edit it, Jake. We might be past yeah. the three-week margin. This is actually this is actually a problem I used to have as an English literature teacher that I was like, that's spoilers for books. So sorry, I'm doing it again with, <laughs> with series. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's great! Yeah, yeah. Well, you know the the, the, the that part where uh, where Luke Skywalker came back and and blew Boba Fett's you know armor to shreds, and then he fell back into the Sarlacc again. That was no, none of that happened. So don't worry about spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey Jake, why don't you go ahead and take us into topic? Uh, uh, what what have you guys been working on in terms of learner agency? Yeah, I mean, and so Susie's here and has, uh, we've been working together now for the last two or so years. I, again, I time changes here <laughs> in the pandemic. I've said this multiple times, but we've been doing some work in the lab uh, that I lead. And last year, um, I think it was at the start of uh, 2021, maybe it was at the end of 2020, but also at the start of 2020, we really kind of dove into some research. And we thought, you know what, we want to conduct some external analysis to learn about some of the latest tech innovations across the education spectrum. And when we did this, we assumed that organizations would be forced, of course, to innovate. And so we guessed that there would come up with a ton of practical ideas related to tech that we could implement right away. 
So as Susie was starting to do her interviews and she reached out to about, I think, 35 or so learning educational leaders across about, I don't know, 10 or so countries in K through 12 higher ed and corporate. And we were surprised to learn that most important predictor of success wasn't just technology, but it was actually the shift towards learner agency. And that was really the true innovation. So when it came to technology innovations, there were things there, but just not to the grand scale that maybe we thought there was, but there's some ideas, but that true innovation was that movement towards agency. So the organizations that we did talk about or institutions we talked about or talked to, the ones that have the smoothest transitions to remote learning amid the pandemic had the highest impact. Were those likely to have a history of giving learners power to decide how and when they learn? So it was pretty interesting. Again, we, you know, we thought we'd have all this list of stuff, but that tended, that was the, the true um, finding, and we really went on from there. So Susie, I kind of want to turn it back over to you and, and share, you know, what is learner agency and why is it important? Yeah, so learner agency is having ownership and control over your learning, and it's being empowered and having opportunities um, to influence the learning environment that's around you. Um, and it can't happen um, without an inclusive environment um, or learning culture that enables this empowerment through giving you a voice, you know, choice, um, and also being an active participant as well. So what was the, some of the things, you know, through the research, because you've shared a lot of examples, you know, when uh, you and I were working on this a lot, and why was it so hard for organizations to even have any sense of agency and still to this day is it's not like it has shifted over dramatically and I, f I feel like even those that we did interview it was there were a small outlier of those that actually were further along of creating an environment for agency but why is it so hard for organizations to even do that well I think one of the, the main problems is is that you know a dominant or traditional learning model that organizations have that it's centralized and it's top down um, so trying to make this work online is very difficult. And, you know, as everyone shifted into this new this new normal, they were trying to figure out, well, how do we like replicate this top down, you know, practice online, but then still expecting learners to be able to practice like self orientated learning, which they've never been prepared for. Um, and so it made learners feel very disengaged you know, disconnected and, and on top of the general helplessness that everyone was feeling um, with the pandemic because there was no control, you know, over anything. And so it was a very difficult model to try and start, you know, replicating online when they didn't have the foundations for actually building agency that was there. And whereas institutions that had that strong learner, um, you know, culture of agency beforehand, um, they've already had it established. So they were continuing to empower and support their learners to be proactive, you know, rather than reactive um, to their learning situation and the challenges that they were facing during the pandemic. Part of what I'm hearing is it's not only the technology, but it's also a mindset on the part of the organization, that the organization has to uh, be at some point willing to let go of certain controls they're used to having. Does that sound right? Oh, for sure. And um, I think that with that control, that you are not um, stimulating a community in that. And so there's no shared responsibility towards it either. So um, it is very challenging for them to, to shift this, 
this this mindset and especially overnight because you can't create a community um you know over over weeks it takes it takes months and it takes time to to build that and um one of the, the biggest challenges to this as well is that we've all grown up in this this dominant model where it's like a one size fits all um that you know that we we tend to validate our own learning through contact time and completion and, and compliance um, and so you know we've all had the thrill of sitting through you know four hours in a, in a learning event and then glad we got the certificate in the end mm-hmm. um, whereas learner agency kind of flips this all on its head right we don't necessarily need that you know validation for it to um, to be working um, I was gonna say Susie I'm wondering if in some ways LMSs have actually done us a disservice in providing learner agency because it provides mm-hmm. all of those things you're talking about, right? It provides opportunities to say this is required training and you have a check mark because you've attended this class and getting all these metrics and all these things that are measurement. So I'm wondering if might you even you know, say that the LMS says this is the way. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you yeah. might say that, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 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 LMSs, and then even the way that you grew up in your your uh, through elementary yep. through higher ed, um, there is usually, you know, there's a clear progression. There's a clear like I got to move to the next the next level. I get my certificate or my diploma, right? It's it's very dominant based model that we have many of us have grown into, and so developing the skills for for us to have agency, we don't really do it. And some places do, of course, but that's not what everybody gets. Jake, I'm smiling at that because I remember graduating from college and going, oh, wait, <laughs> wait, there's no more structure. I get to do what yeah. I want. No one has defined a <laughs> curriculum for what Dana does. There, There is a certain amount of like, yay. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. That kind of the Sometimes it's not short. I get to do what I want. It's like I have to do what I want. Right. <laughs> right. So there's so many options. Yeah. Give me an LMS for my life. Yeah. yeah, we had uh, my wife. So Erica and I had a conversation about this the other day where I remember used to being so excited once I graduated college because I was like, I don't have to do homework anymore. I have to do this anymore, whatever. And then I'm, I thought, oh, I have all this freedom. And I kind of forgot like, oh, yeah, I have all of this. I still have to learn. How do I do it? I'm now on my own. I have no curriculum now. I have no teachers. I have no yeah. nothing. I have to figure this out. How yeah. the heck do I do it? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Dana and I kind of had this conversation yesterday, if you remember, Dana, like, I, I do think, first off, Susie, I, I, I'm buying everything you're saying, I'm picking up everything you're putting down, it makes sense. B- but I do think that uh, kids these days are more oriented <laughs> to having learner agency than maybe some of us uh, more elderly states people uh, have traditionally had. And I was using the example, and, and I think we should bring him on the show and quiz him on this, but um, I gave my oldest son some feedback that if he wanted to move into a part of the, of the industry he wanted to move into, he needed to learn 3D modeling. And he, he's an artist. And I thought he would probably go back to like his local school because he still lives in the same town that he went to college in, take a course or two, do it that way. He didn't. He he found a bunch of YouTube tutorials. He downloaded some software. He started playing. He started putting things up on social media and getting feedback on his work and then incorporating that feedback and, you know, the rinse repeat cycle. And that's how he learned. And I think that so many 
of the uh, you know the the millennials and the the Gen Zs are coming in, and they're already kind of attuned to that. Learn by YouTube doing and getting feedback uh, than we ever were. I think it's a good opportunity for all this. Um, I would agree, and I think that it basically just doubles down on the need to be changing the learning um, model that we have in organizations because to be able to attract all of this amazing talent that's coming up, um, the organizations need to be shifting you know, to this model that this new generation is accustomed to using, whereas we're still quite behind um, of actually you know, um, driving it. So that's, that's a good transition, I think, Susie, to the next section, which is around learner control and trust because yeah, I agree. I think, you know, Dana, many years ago, right, we, we talked about the foraging learner, right? Mm-hmm. So the foraging learner, and that's, that's Bob, what you're talking about. And um, that's great skills to have, but also the institutions or the organizations that you support, are they capable of uh, empowering that to happen? Can, you know, are, are we still having the, the top-down control? So, you know, you learned a lot, Susie, around learner control and trust. And I'd love you to kind of expand on that more to see how this kind of even flows from that, you know, these individuals are coming in with these skills, but also we can be restricting it. But like, how do we not restrict it? And what can we learn from that? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things, obviously, is is learning to let go of control, because there's a huge fear there that everyone's just going to go off and do their own thing and learn nothing that is you know, um, strategic to the goals of, of a company, whereas we need to build in more trust um, to learners to um, appreciate that they do know um, what they need to learn because they're obviously they're the closest to the problem and the role that they're in. Um, and obviously this shared sense of responsibility um, to drive whatever they learn back into the community. So there's a big element here of, you know, um, community learning, peer-to-peer um, sharing, you know, apprenticeship, it all kind of is wrapped up um, into learner agency um, as well. And I think that um, one of the big, you know, um, misconceptions is that we had control over people's <laughs> learning anyway, and we never really had. I mean, ticking a box of just going to an event doesn't really ensure that someone is actually going to learn. The only thing that we can do is maximise um, the learning conditions to make, you know, you know, try and make sure that it does happen. But we don't actually have control over that. We just have to optimize conditions. One of the risks that I see in this, um, you know, when, as you're trying to balance how much control uh, organizations have is, you know, somebody's trying to learn how to code something and they find some code, right? And they just go, oh, I'll just use this code in my project. And they do that, and then it turns out that it's bad code or it has some type of, you know, nasty thing inside of it. You know, they're, they're in the process of trying to learn, and they might look at it and try and understand the structure. But um, I, I see that as, you know, one of the dangers that needs to be appropriately addressed, that type of thing. I mean, it's not only code, but it could be, uh, you know, other models that, that they're using or mindsets mm-hmm. that they, they get when they go elsewhere. So, I mean, it is an interesting thing to try and figure out what's the balance. You can't give complete freedom, I would think. You have to have some type of boundaries, but I don't know what those are. Well, I think it, I think it goes down to accountability as well, because agency is not you being on your own and, you know, doing yeah. whatever you want. There's a, there's a sense of accountability and um, also social connections to basically validate what you're doing as well. 
Um, and I think that's one thing at the minute um, that we really need to be working on because, again, with the pandemic, you know, that our traditional ways of talking to people, you know, and spontaneous connections. And um, I think also finding out the information that you didn't know that you needed to know um, is not happening. So I would say that it's also trying to strengthen that of being able to have, um, you know, your individual learning, but being able to validate it and share it with the wider community because it doesn't exactly what you said. It doesn't it doesn't work if there is something that is problematic in the way that you are, you know, um, coding or doing something else. It has to be, you know, um, amplified to the wider community. Yeah. And I think in that example to Dana, I'm thinking that links a lot with expertise. So like when you're teaching expertise and to make sure that as you're teaching it, you're also teaching effective, you know, or the effective expertise, again, not go, making them go down and create new mental models that probably are incorrect. And so with agency, I thought about a lot of this, a lot about this myself and thought, well, what can we do to then still allow agencies to thrive, still allow people to have choice, still allow people to have a voice, be a teacher, but also be the learner as well, um, but also have a little bit of governance to make sure that we're, we're getting the people connected to the right teachers, the people that we actually, we know are teaching good stuff, or we also give them the, the ability to maybe, maybe curate or, you know, um, offer some type of apprenticeship, whatever you want to call it. But um, when they do so, we're, we're rewarding or acknowledging like these are credible you know sources places like and giving them those platforms to do that i really like the connection that susie just made and you elaborated on the, the idea of connecting agency with accountability you mm -hmm. give you give the freedom but then you also um and, and maybe those are the guardrails maybe the guardrails is some type of accountability but i like that connection between agency and accountability yeah well, it, it seems then that in order to really make this work, we have to have a really good way to be able to assess the skills that somebody has, the mm -hmm. quality of their work, right? Because why do why do we really care how they learn how to do what we want them to do? Really, all we care about is that they're doing what we want them to do with the level of quality that we want them to do. Yeah. The only people who are worried about how they do it are people whose jobs are incumbent on it, <laughs> like us. <laughs> like the LMS we, administrators. And, yeah. Right, which means we need to, you know, we, we need to, to shift the conversation uh, and really think about, again, how do we build this learning ecosystem that is going to uh, make a great opportunity, a great environment for learners to take their own agency. Mm -hmm. and, and and Bob, I think in your example there, it's the accountability is actually getting the job done, right? right? The, the agency has figured out, uh, however, wherever, whenever, and the accountability is you've done an outstanding job, and you know, with something you may not have known how to do before. Right. Exactly. So, Susie, I have to I have to have you share this story as well because you talked about social connections and, and again giving people the ability to speak, but you came in from the K through 12 background before you came here, which is like many people um, in this profession. Actually, there are a lot of folks that came from the K through 12. But one of the things that when we were working on this work, research, you mentioned the story of the teacher lounge. And I have to have, I can't go without doing this podcast without you sharing the story. Because <laughs> I, I thought it was a really great representation of 
of the impact and the change of what, again, a dominant model, these social connections, and also this idea of control and what we've created around agency. So I'd love you to share that one. Sure. So, um, you know, obviously that we've all been affected um, by not having these, you know, physical spaces that we normally had. And so a lot of people felt, you know, isolated about it. But, um, you know, how many people actually felt isolated and learners like before like lockdown here and it related to um when i worked at high school and our teachers lounge was removed um which can you you can imagine caused great discontent um because it was a you know place of informal learning um and as i said before learning things that you didn't know that you needed to learn um but there are actually other teachers that really weren't bothered um about it being removed and um some of them basically felt that it was a place that they didn't really belong. Um, there were cliques that were there as well. And so it made it very hard for them to relate to. So on the surface, you know, while um, you know, this idea of proximity can certainly help, you know, um, make people, you know, make and sustain these social connections, there's definitely a need to be more intentional and um, to enable opportunities for everyone to build social connections. Um, by providing, you know, not just a space, but, you know, how can you make it actually a learning outcome um, rather than just relying on chance, you know, and like this idea of just putting people in a room and just thinking magic is going to happen. You know, it's trying to make sure that it's, you know, um, intentional and it's more equal for everyone to be able to participate in as well. Yeah, I found that story fascinating because you know, you, you see, you think of a teacher lounge and that's just always the thing you think of, you know, that exists in a school. And I didn't realize that, you know, that the, there, there were, it wasn't as inclusive as what I thought it would be. And we're, even though it was there, it was designed to create a natural collision moments for individuals, but people didn't actually feel like they can learn or they felt it was the best place for them. And so when we were doing this work, a lot of times we were thinking how, well, what, again, what does this apply for us? What does this mean for us? And we thought that this could open the door for, for those that have, were so reliant on these collision moments, again, not just in the teacher lounge, but if you think of those who traveled or those who worked in the office, there's a lot of collision moments that happen inside of the office. And, you know, all that was great. But again, we're so, a lot of times we're relying on those, if those, you know, people that work in there often. So then how do you, how could we help uh, create new environments where there's more equal access that's more equitable and chances where, you know, online technology infrastructures do allow and promote more of that and can promote of that. But again, I mean, it all goes back to technology governance. There's things on that you have to support, but it does open the door for more opportunities for to spread the learning and give people more opportunities to do it. As you were talking about that, Jake, I was thinking about uh, some of the work we're doing in the metaverse, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, what would it be like to create a an inclusive uh, virtual teacher's lounge, right? Where you didn't even have to be from the same school. You didn't even have to be from a school. You could, might be from a university and a school. And um, I think there's just some possibilities and interesting lessons to apply when thinking through that type of a, a connection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was seeing the same thing, Dana. It's one of the things I'm most excited about kind of moving into a metaversal learning environment is the idea that we can create even more opportunities for those water cooler 
type conversations that we miss from being together live for for long sessions uh, and have that informal learning happen there. Um, I know of some of our colleagues who are having regular team meetings uh, playing golf VR. So they basically go out and, <laughs> you know, and in the virtual world, uh, golf nine holes and they chat and they do status meetings and, you know, and have conversation and, you know, the type of stuff that that we could do when we were all co-located. They're trying to they're finding a way to do that in in VR. But I, I'm interested in terms of, Susie, what you're finding around the how do you build a little more structure into those encounters so that people who may be a little more introverted or wouldn't just benefit from the natural flow, uh, you can make sure that it's a great learning environment for them too. Yeah, I think it's also about um, capability building and about communication because, again, um, with agency, there's certain um, you know skills that we've never really been explicitly taught about. And so I think that you know communication is definitely one of them, you know, even empathy, right, on the you know, being able to to to, uh, to be aware of being able to include people, you know, in conversation. So it goes both ways, I would say. And I think the biggest one is 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 that is capability building and breaking down what those skills are needed as well to be able to create environments where you can um, communicate and also be listened to. Because I think we forget about that. About you know, it is such an important skill, you know, to listen. Um, and sometimes I feel that we've kind of, you know, not really focused on that, you know, rather than us always talking all the time, you know, let's listen. Mm -hmm. I think in like the, I'm going back to the metaverse example, Bob, like, I think there's a lot of play, like that opens such a larger world for opportunities to find more relevant channels for people to find a connection to. So it may not be like, again, back to the um, teacher's line example, that was one place. That's, they only had one place and they were expected all the teachers to go in there, you know, it was just one place. And so in more of an open world metaverse, you have more opportunities to find places that are interesting and more relevant. Um, and again, that goes back to the non, you know, outside of, of just the physical world too. What, what could you do is where uh, from there as well. Um, but, you know, I, I, the metaverse allows you to do even uh, who you are in there your avatar, what you come in with, right? It allows you to be more yourself. So there's, I think in this space too, that is another, just a wide range of uh, opportunity areas to think about as we kind of explore more on how to improve agency and support it. Well, Jake, well. Jake, one thing that's just, I mean, I've shared this with Bob, but I had one of my team meetings with Praj, you know, her mm -hmm. uh, in, in the VR uh, and we was on a campfire. So nice. we just, you know, she's from India, I'm from uh, Utah, and we just sat around a campfire and, and then we just kind of wandered around. We wanted to see what the scenery was like. And so we're kind of walking in the, you know, the metaverse and, and uh, while we're doing it, having a status meeting, right? It just, you know, it's things, things we wouldn't have done a year ago. Mm -hmm. Jake, remember when we watched the World Cup game together? Yeah, I do. I mean, that, that was <laughs> right after we first got our Oculus Go's. Yes, the ghosts, I know. <laughs> so, you know, and I don't remember exactly when the World Cups were, but this is probably, what, maybe five or six years ago, I would think. Yeah, it was, it was a while was, ago, yeah. 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 And, yeah, that was a really, it was a really rich experience. It was, yeah. I just think, I think there's, I think with the benefit of what we're noticing maybe in the last two years, and I, and I know Susie would agree, it's like 
we are seeing the shift of more and more individuals like actually developing these skills on how to be more of a um an agent of your own learning right and um and and again we were thrown into this mess at the, at the you know at the start of it and many of us yes we had maybe the foraging capabilities and understanding but also the institutions and organizations were having a hard time picking it up and so i think that's is one of the potentials of organizations going forward especially a learning organization one that really values that is looking at things like the metaverse looking at things like your technology infrastructures are they talking to each other are they very more integrated um are you doing things outside of just that lms stuff right like things that are checkbox and um focus on that there's a ton of opportunities here and i know it may sound scary for us that have been in the lnd world for a long time like we're taking away our things that we normally do but i actually think there's more opportunities now than there were before doing it so i susie i've got a question um on trust what is the role of trust in this whole thing and i'm, I'm thinking about it from two dimensions the first dimension is um, you know, organizational trust in the individual, but then perhaps individuals trust in in the organization. I mean, what what uh, if anything did the research uncover on the role of trust? Well, I think it's a it's a a two way relationship. Exactly what you said. It's it's both, right? It's being able to to show the organization, and I think um, we kind of discussed this, obviously, that the learning that you're doing is is providing impact, but it's also the organization investing in you um, and trusting you that you also do know your role well, you do know what your learning needs are, and being able to contribute um, to the discussion, you know, and being part of that table of what um, you can develop as well, you know, within like the learning community, right? It doesn't necessarily always have to be a program that is rolled out from top, you know, top down. It's something that can be generated um, from the different communities that are within an organization. So I think that it's, it's just shifting this idea from, you know, um, being told what needs to be done rather than an active discussion between, um, both, you know, the organization and, um, you know, the learner. And I think in that too, it's like, as long as if, if you, the learner trust that you as an organization have had those conversations, like you have felt like there is a, um, bi-directional like agreement like this, or at least there has been some type of discussion, like this is something good for me. Like you care about me. And again, it doesn't seem like it's a hidden thing. Like, oh yeah, you care about me. Really? This is just a top down that some, you know, senior leader told us to do or, or, or partake in or some whatever effort. It, it, it's interesting, Jake, because one of the questions that, and I'm not going to get the exact wording right, but one of the questions on our engagement survey is something like, uh, there's someone who invests in my development or someone who's willing to help me develop and grow. And, mm -hmm. and I think that starts to get to that trust thing. Yep, exactly. And I think it's that dialogue that often we don't have dialogue. Again, you know, the LMS, it's just there's something that's that's there I and decree. it's given. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than being being talking actually about well, what are my needs? Well, what what are you offering? Well, what can we what can we actually do to move forward? Yep. When you said decree, I, what came to mind was, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> Beating your head against the required training. I'm not dead right. yet. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Well, 10 points to Dana for a Monty Python reference. Uh, <laughs> but uh, friends, look, looking at the clock on the studio wall, I think it's about time to wrap up. So yep. Susie, I'm wondering if you have any, any final thoughts or words of wisdom as we 
wrap up for today? Um, I just think that this is all very positive. And again, it's a journey to go on. And I think that there's a lot of um, innate qualities that we all have, such as curiosity, um, that, that build in excellently into learner agency. And we just need to be practicing and flexing those muscles um, to be able to start um, really, you know, pushing this forward. That's exciting. This is well, thanks for topic. being here. Yeah, yeah really great topic, topic, great discussion. I feel like we could keep going on for hours, but uh, I don't think anybody would listen. So no. <laughs> <laughs> at least not right now. So we'll wrap it up. Maybe we'll revisit this topic again soon. So thank you again for being here, Susie. It was great to meet you. Thank you. All right. And for all of our listeners, thanks for joining us as well. Uh, this is Bob. And on behalf of Susie, Dana, and Jake, we will see you on the next episode of The Learning Geeks, which will come along real soon here. Until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, all.